World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Hello, welcome. This is Creepypasta, the Creepypasta podcast, where we talk about creepypastas. But this week, wait, you're thinking, that's not a creepypasta that I saw in the title for the show. That's a movie. And that's true. We are going to talk about a motion picture. That motion picture is going to be the film Pet Cemetery, the 2019 version, not the 1989 version. Uh, this movie stars Jason Clark and Amy Siemens. It was directed by Kevin Cloche and Dennis Widmeyer from a screen story by Matt Greenberg, and it is an adaptation of the 1983 novel of the same name by Stephen King. Matt Greenberg, the uh, screen adapter, oh boy, also wrote, I mean, this is going to be guarantee his best movie. Uh, He also wrote Ghost Brigade, Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest, uncredited revisions on that one. The Big Brass Ring, never heard of, short film, okay. Mimic, uncredited script revisions. The Prophecy 2, written by. Uh, Halloween H2O, 20 years later, screenplay by. The Crow Salvation, co-producer. Screenplay for. The uh, Reign of Fire, 1408, Mercy, and Seventh Son, in addition to... Uh, oh no, just screen story for Seventh Son and Pet Cemetery. Uh, so, uh, you might think, before going into the movie, oh, that sounds like it's going to be real bad. But uh, we'll get into it. With me to talk about this movie is fellow uh, horror movie fiend and fanatic and past guest, uh, just getting back from the deepest ocean, uh, where she is a radical oceanographer, discovering all kinds of new creatures uh, in the Mariana Trench. Please welcome back to the show, Heather Gordon. Heather Gordon, what's it like under sea? Oh, I have such sights to show you. Oh, <laughs> okay. Terry. There's a, it's a hell. <laughs> we can talk it's about a, Hellraiser if you want. It's a Hellraiser down there under the sea. Weird. I must not say. Okay. Cool. The line between um, pleasure and pain, I tried to make it about, like, water pressure. That didn't work. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Pet Cemetery. Um, so I wonder if anyone knows the basic premise listening to this of Pet Cemetery. Uh, anyway, we'll walk through it. We'll, if you haven't seen it, go see it. I enjoyed it. Um, how did you feel about it? Did you like it? I loved it. Um, so uh, I always have to preface myself with saying, I love every horror movie, even if it's horrible. I will find something endearing about it and tuck that away in my pocket and keep it forever. And then whenever people trash in the future, I will pat my pocket and say, no, you weren't that bad. Uh, So take that with a grain of salt. But no, I I did (laughs) uh, really like this movie. Pet Cemetery was always one of my favorite Stephen King novels. Growing up, I was allowed to read those before I was allowed to watch a lot of things. Um, Salem's Lot and Pet Cemetery always got me. I I love cats. I'm a huge cat person. And so it obviously... Whoa, you're a huge cat person? You're like seven feet tall and covered in cat fur? (laughs) 
Um, don't worry about my physical appearance. It's what's inside. Okay. You're emotionally uh, <laughs> a giant cat. Uh, but I have a Maureen Ponderosa situation going on. No, um, I've always had a nice love for the book, and the original was fun. It holds up uh, fine. It holds up just fine. Uh, when I was reading interviews before um, the movie even really began filming, it was more of casting interviews. I don't recall the name of the actress. Uh, let me see. Who plays the lead again? The mother? I'm sorry, not oh, the child. The, the mother. The mother. Alexandra uh, Esso? No. That's... Uh, isn't that Amy Simetz? Yes. Okay, yeah. I remember, I'm not familiar with her, obviously, but I remember hearing that she was a huge fan of the books growing up and was answering interview questions with delight that she would be playing the mom of one of her favorites. So I thought that it had a good outlook from the beginning um, that kind yeah, of she, left me she a little biased, I guess. She starred in The Killing and is the co-writer, director, and producer on The Girlfriend Experience, which is based on a movie. Um, That's awesome. So, she's, like, a real, like, auteur, I guess you could say. So, the fact mm-hmm. that she would choose to be in this sort of schlocky horror movie says good things about it, I think. Uh, but I felt I felt great. I had just come down from the high of us. Weren't they two weekends apart, the opening weekends? I saw both opening. Yeah. So, it's it was a very short time span, and I remember uh, my friends, I went with the same girlfriends that saw us with me, and as we left, we all said that was such a good pairing to come down from us, obviously. It's us is very widely received right now as being a great movie um that's not what we're talking about but i was really hoping i wasn't going to go into like an insidious three finger keys situation and just like want to spit when i got out it was it was nice i think that this past year has been a nice year for horror and i'm very pleased with my opening weekends how do you feel about Pet Cemetery? <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought that it was... It's, like, well-made, and it's spooky. One thing I was really disappointed by was that the trailers reveal mm. stuff that it's very clear that the makers of the movie were intending to be surprises. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get into... Uh, from now on, it's going to be spoiler territory. Um, let's get into the movie. Uh, so we've got the Creed family. They're from Boston, and they're moving to a small town in a forest in Maine. Uh, big, big shock, a Stephen King thing about Maine. It's not, uh, it's not Derry, or what's his other favorite Maine town, do you remember? If it's not Derry, I ain't with it. <laughs> okay, I'm you're not only... quite sure. No, I am very familiar with Derry, but not... Bangor is the names. other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives Which in Bangor, Which is that Maine. featured in? Do you know offhand? Uh, I do not know. I just know that's okay. where he lives currently, um, and he has lived there for a long time. But I will look up what things... Uh, let's see, media... Well, while you're doing that, I'll fill the air with another yes, classic do. King thing. Like, as you said, the main... He also loves taking very um, scientific, very factual, everyday men, like writers or doctors, and has to have them face the supernatural and come to terms with it. 
and that didn't disappoint either. Which I I enjoy that trope. Not a favorite trope of mine, but in terms of storytelling devices, I like when people have to leave science behind and sacrifice something that they had been defending the entire movie and just suspend your disbelief and go with these supernatural events. So that was nice too, that the doctor was very cynical, very factual. Hashtag just king things. Um, <laughs> so it looks like uh, they they say that they'll say in the books that Derry is near Bangor, but uh, Derry is Bangor for Stephen King. Okay. Um, um, so it looks like uh, Night Shift has a story in it that takes place in the Bangor Waterworks, uh, Mount Hope Cemetery, which is um, the funeral in Pet Cemetery. Uh, the original one uh, is filmed there. The Thomas Hill Standpipe, which is the inspiration for the water tower in It. Um, the <laughs> the sewer drain where Georgie gets his arm torn off by uh, Pennywise is uh, actually an intersection in Bangor, uh, which is interesting. There's a Paul Bunyan statue that's in It that is in Bangor. Um, yeah, Bangor, a lot of Bangor is just dairy, um, which is interesting. There's a popular truck stop that is um, in a town, one town over, that is the inspiration for Maximum Overdrive. Uh, Bangor International Airport in the Langoliers. Um, interesting. Uh, anyway, this takes place actually in Ludlow, Maine, this film. So we get, we uh, are introduced to Lewis Creed and Rachel and their two young children, Ellie and Gage. Ellie is eight going on nine. Gage is some kind of little baby. I can't tell how old small children are. Oh, they we are had either that new whole discussion. <laughs> They're somewhere between newborn and four. I don't know the age uh, beyond that. Um, and they have their cat five. Uh, okay. They have their cat church. How do you not know that? <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> I don't have kids. I don't care about them. Continue. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I don't either. Um, You're a teacher! They, yeah, but I teach high school. Okay. Uh, they are... They meet their neighbor, played by John Lithgow. Uh, his name is Judd, uh, Judd Crandall, and he's sort of creepy. Um, they discover that on their property is pet, uh, is a pet cemetery that the local kids bury their pets at, and a big wall of like sticks and brush that prevents them from going past the pet cemetery. Um, so Lewis tries to save this, like, kid gets hit by a car, this kid Victor at the college, and he tries to save him and it doesn't work. And Lewis starts having hallucinations of this guy, Victor Pascal, um, like, waking up from the dead and talking to him, which I think is really interesting that, like, before he ever goes to the pet cemetery, like, the real, before he ever goes beyond the pet cemetery, he is, um, encountering like the magic of these woods and it's like pushing him towards it um i think that it's a thing about regret as well um yeah. when people are haunted before they go to the pet cemetery by different things it's always in regards to recent trauma that they couldn't help or do anything about he he couldn't save that man from dying he died in his hands basically and so now that man's yeah. haunting him yeah uh, and then on Halloween, Church the Cat is discovered by the side of the road having been run over. There's big trucks that go by on the road just outside of their house. 
Um, and Lewis is gonna, um, he comes into a little bit of conflict with his wife, Rachel, about how they should address Church the Cat's death with their child, Ellie. Uh, Rachel, because of some trauma from her youth with her sister, um, having died from some horrible bonitis, um, she is like, let's not tell her. We'll just tell her the cat ran away. And so they agree to that. Um, that but was a Judd- beautiful conversation. I just want to say it was like really organic. I thought it was very yeah. well written. And I thought that that's a conversation that like everyone's going to have one day, probably, unless you have online views. But. Yeah, it bugged me that um, the conclusion that they arrived at was like, I thought Lewis was right that they should just tell her about death, that it's a natural part of life. Yeah, she was um, far too old. Yeah, it was just like, like you could, it was interesting. You could see him bristle um, when he mentioned grandma when like the daughter mentions grandma looking down on them from heaven mm-hmm. you can see him be like mm, but she isn't though <laughs> um and that that's really interesting because he's a doctor so he sees death every day and he's like inoculated against it but his wife um only has like one major death that she carries a lot of guilt about in her life despite being a doctor he's pussy whipped so they tell her the cat ran away because <laughs> that's what rachel wants <sighs> which is fair oh i mean <laughs> Why else? Why else, though? Did he agree to tell the daughter that the cat ran away? They're not a particularly affectionate couple, so I don't think that's how it works. Well, okay, it, metaphorically speaking, then, I think his <laughs> wife um, did the thing that wives do in movies, a very popular trope of looking at their husband a certain way, and then jump cut to the end result being the, husband the wife did was what they wanted the whole time, yeah. yeah, so I was like, Ugh, that's I true. Know, whatever. I, I just wish that that would have been, I hate that trope. Just one person yeah, do. making the other person do something, not even a feminine thing or a masculine thing, just that's that's bad writing. It's, I don't know. It is very frequently in movies. Uh, they'll present it as like women uh, like sulking until the men do what they want, and then that informs a lot of people in real life who are like, ah, oh, women are always manipulating our emotions to get their way. It's like, no, that's that's movies. That's just in movies. Um, so yeah, it definitely contributes to that in a way. Although, um, I don't think Lewis really agrees as much to say that the cat ran away as much as, like, he doesn't want to get in a fight in front of his daughter. Um, anyway, well, before I, they even get... she broke down about her sister um, yeah. passing, I think, and that's when we as an audience see that for the first time in full. We've seen, like, signs of her PTSD, but not what caused it. And so I, th- I do think that it is not like, oh, he doesn't want to fight, or he's just doing what she says. I think he just has a compassion, and um, yeah. he, him being a doctor, he has that natural empathy, and he realized how important it is to to tell her because they do yeah. say like it ran away. Yep. Um. But before that, the night before Halloween night, uh, Judd and Lewis <laughs> go out to the pet cemetery to bury Church. Uh. Yeah. There's a lot of woo sounds like that. Like so too was much fog. That not too. Yeah. A lot of fog in these woods. It, but for being they go a past. Movie. Yeah. It's a little weird. They go past the pet cemetery and they're hiking for what seems like hours, and they end up in what looks like Mordor. Um. It's just. <laughs> like a gray craggy wasteland that doesn't look like it's in this forest at all and they climb up this like spooky staircase and bury this cat in like 
volcanic ash and then cover it with a little cairn of rocks. Um, And then they go back in the next day, say, like, Church ran away. And Ellie's like, uh, no, he didn't. He was outside of my window last night. And they look and there's, like, dirty footprint, dirty paw prints. And then um, he's the church, the cat is in the closet, all, like, ragged looking and bloody and mean. Um, And it continues, like, the cat being spooky continues. Um, Lewis tries to go um, kill Church, like, put him down. I I mean, re-kill, I guess. Um, But, like, can't do it. Uh, And instead just, like, pulls uh, Harry and the Hendersons and, like, takes him out to the highway and is just like, go on, get out of here. Can't you see we don't want you anymore? Um, which is a bad idea because cut forward to Ellie's birthday party. Um, they're all having a good time. She's turning nine years old. Ellie sees Church in the road and then rushes to go get him. And no one notices her doing this. Uh, but a little farther down the road, um, Gage is just like tottering out into the road and Lewis goes and runs and picks up Gage as a truck is barreling down. And this is where the twist change occurs. So, in the book and in the original movie, Gage is hit by a truck and dies and gets buried in the pet cemetery and comes back uh, as a wrong zombie. In this, Lewis picks up Gage at the last minute and gets him out of the way, and the truck, like, crashes and flips over, and the tanker hits Ellie, um, killing her, which is a really interesting change. How did you feel about this, Heather? I thought that it was very smart, just because the you want to please fans, so you don't want to change too much about the original characters, um, especially their ages. And Gage is far too young to be an antagonist, and I, I understand he's possessed. But if you see the original, there are scenes where people, like adults, are grabbing things, but with his sleeve, you know, and they're trying to uh, rig the shot to make it look like Gage is grabbing the scalpel. He's a child, you know. It's it's very difficult to get animals to do what you want, and children are worse than animals, so... um, Yeah. But I I did like the change. I was incredibly upset that they showed it in the trailer. Uh, That made me. Trailers are some of my favorite things about horror movies. Not necessarily Googling them and watching them online, but going to see movies in the theaters. I always, my friends and I, we always get there early so we can watch all of the previews. It's something I enjoy. But after Pet Cemetery and after the Us trailer, which luckily I closed out of the Us trailer, but I heard about 15 seconds of narrative dialogue that gave me a window mm. as to things <laughs> in Us that I regretted. Um, and yeah, after watching that, I think I'm done with trailers for a little bit until we hire better companies to make them that aren't giving away. It's almost like the people who spent all this time writing the movies, the people at the think tanks deciding to make Ellie the main antagonist. They just didn't even watch the trailers before they released them because that was a great little switch and I have friends who haven't Mm -hmm. seen the movie or read the book um, so to them it just was another thing but uh, I, I liked that a lot. I thought that it was the smarter decision with it gave his age the end. <laughs> yeah. The f- 
the first trailer I thought was good, and then the second trailer, like, explicitly shows Ellie's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like... But I do like <sighs> that the tanker... So, in the original... Or, yeah, in the original, uh, Gage dies, he gets hit. With this one, as you said, they picked him up, so the tanker is swerving. He notices the scene. The driver notices what's going on, so he's trying to swerve, as opposed to just not paying attention. And when he does so, he lifts the truck, and the truck slides and hits Ellie, which I also liked for believability because, you know, if you get hit by a semi-truck, you are pulverized, especially being a child. There's nothing left of you than a big red stain. So I do like that they had a sliding truck hit her because she had, you know, her skull was a little misshapen when she came back. Um, Things like oh, that. Yeah, her, that like, eye was... is in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. It's really creepy. Yeah, I thought that that was very well done. I've heard a lot of people uh, making fun of that, and that's fine. They made fun of the nudity and hereditary. It happens. But I thought that was very creepy. The Anything that's a, a deformity from a supernatural event, like that will get me in a horror movie. Um, Kevin Kolsch. Yeah. Or, yeah. He directed Starry Eyes as well. And there's a lot of physical deformities from supernatural events in that movie. And I was hoping that would pull through with this one as well. It did. Yeah. I thought that was good. Oh, I forgot to mention the opening scene of the movie shows it's like an aerial shot of the forest with spooky music and you see a house on fire and then it zooms into another house and you see a bloody handprint on the open SUV door and then like it goes into the house and then cuts back. That was good. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so as, uh, after Ellie dies, um, Rachel and Gage go spend a little time at Rachel's parents' house because she's just too upset by all this. She has a bunch of nightmares about her sister dying in that house. Um, and Lewis decides to go, um, he slips, he's, he slips Judd a Mickey so that he won't stop him. Uh, so Judd, like, passes out, and then Lewis goes and digs up Ellie's body. And one thing that always bothers me about resurrection movies like this is, like, bodies get a bunch of, like, chemicals in them. Yes. But they, this- like, they're... This was recent. It, it was recently done, and she's a child. So I think that if it was a full-grown adult, the um, transportation, like the handling of the body, I think you would have more issues there. But with a child, uh, you know, they're small enough where you can pick them up and not be rearranging their limbs too much. Like I don't think right the inside. It's just would weird to me. Shake up too much if you're because you can hold. You can get an equilibrium holding a child as you're carrying it. Like picture a very full bowl of cereal and picture holding it against it's your chest. It's not the carrying it though. No, I'm talking about like the liquids inside it though. I think that it, you can hold a child in a way that you can't hold an adult to where their insides won't swish around all the chemicals inside them if that makes sense. Sure, but in, embalming fluid won't sustain a body even if you do manage to bring the body back to life. <laughs> But th- that's the magic of the pet cemetery, just like when he went to kill Church. And, you know, Church is gross, mean, attacking, bringing him to the point to put him down. But as he goes to kill him, he does that um, that horror movie thing where he looks normal again. And he's looking up with those big, adorable kitty cat eyes. And he can't do it because he's reminding him of his old cat. And so I think that there is a little bit of magic going on with how you view um, these things that come back. I think 
think they can manipulate how you see them. Mm. But I understand yeah. physically what you're saying. It doesn't make sense. But there's magic with the pet cemetery. Suspend your disbelief a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I have to. Um, but it, he goes and he buries her in the pet cemetery, and she he goes back home and goes to sleep, and she comes back like almost immediately, and she's back and she's like very spooky. Her face is misshapen. She's gray. She's like, "What happened, Daddy?" Like the last thing I remember was I went and got church and then got hit by a truck. Am I dead? And they have this whole conversation about like death that I think is really powerful and interesting that they could not possibly have had if it was. Um, still gauge. Well, and that's why um, they did not have that conversation. Yeah, yeah prior, this is the exactly. first time we're getting a look into something that came back from the Pet cemetery from its own voice, yeah. Yeah, and that is so much more interesting to me. Um, we learn, I, I forgot that the, the, there's an actor who plays Zelda Rachel's sister in the original movie, and that's like a famously spooky scene. Uh, I forgot about that. Um, but we discover in this one that Rachel was partly, uh, or she blames herself, like, some the of the again. thing. Yeah, uh, she, like, used the dumbwaiter to deliver her sister's food up because she was scared of her because her sister was, like, very sick and also being really mean to her. Um, and the sister, like, going to get the food, she got it and then fell into the dumbwaiter, and that's how she died. Um, it's, like, it, it's really interesting the way they play with guilt that way. Anyway, Rachel comes back to the house, and uh, Lu- she she doesn't know anything about the pet cemetery, and she's like, Louis, what's going on? And he's like, hug your daughter, uh, and Ellie's there in, like, she got changed and put into normal clothes, and then he woke up and found her dancing around, like, smashing the house up in her dress that she was buried in, um, which is really spooky and cool. Um, he's, like, brushing her hair while she's in the tub, and he gets it caught on the stitches on the back of her head, or the staples, rather. Um, so that's all really, like, creepy, um, and sort of a very heavy-handed metaphor for someone dealing poorly with grief. Uh, and then Rachel comes back, and everything starts to pop off. Um, <laughs> Judd finds out what ha- what happens. Her reaction uh, was very good. That actress, uh, Rachel's yeah. reaction to her daughter, I liked that a lot. Kudos. Yeah, I agree. Very good actor. Um, she goes, and uh, Ellie goes and kills Judd. Uh, in a very graphically violent scene, she, like, stabs through his ankle and tears out his Achilles tendon, and he falls down the stairs, and it's, like, really gruesome in a way that most of the other things in the movie aren't. Yeah, that um, scene was in the trailer. Uh, that was one of the spoils. Yeah. But it's still, Not the graphic yeah, part of it. Yeah, I was going it, to but, say, it still brought it. Like, even knowing there, you just think it's going to be a simple slice, and no, like you said, she gores his Achilles tendon, and that was nice. Yeah. Like, that that was a nice little surprise. Too gruesome. Oh, um, fun. yeah, they they <laughs> <laughs> it's no human. They go uh, 
Yeah, it's no human centipede, of course. They go in, um, or rather, Ellie goes in and is like attacking Judd and transforms into his wife. And we discover the heavily implied thing already that uh, Judd had buried his wife, Norma, in the pet cemetery and then had to kill her. Um, so then Ellie goes back home and uh, I guess uh, Ellie kills Judd before Rachel gets home. Yeah. Um, Rachel like runs upstairs and is flipping out and um ellie stabs her a bunch and they have a little conversation and rachel has come to terms with her daughter's death and is like you're not my daughter ellie is dead and the the pet cemetery ellie says to her uh then go join her and finishes her off and then drags her to the uh the real pet cemetery i keep calling it that I guess it's, like, the place beyond the pet cemetery. Well, it doesn't end up having a name. So, technically, those are native lands. Like, the pet... There aren't two pet yeah. cemeteries. It's not as if, you know, there's... Exactly, a yeah. The, it's just, the other one is not a pet yeah, cemetery. which is the misconception, just like with poltergeist and um, the Indian burial ground tropes. Uh, yeah, no, they, and they weren't even burial grounds per se. They're native lands that the natives. The native left. people left because it was too yeah, scary. Yeah, yeah. So it's not as yeah. if they have this situation going. No, it's just a very scary place that was last inhabited many moons ago. Next yeah. to a pet Judd is like, uh, yeah, we used to have a, like, they left because of the legend of the Wendigo. And then, like, when Lewis is t- carrying Ellie's body out there, he sees, like, a silhouette of the Wendigo off in the I like that as well. It, I'm happy that they didn't show yeah. any more, uh, another inch of it, because it would have been too much. But anything mm-hmm. in the shadows too much, is like yeah. the witchy, slender manny. It's nice. It was it was nice knowing that um you could assign a an embodiment of the pet cemetery instead of through the eyes of something that you used to love and bury. Because that's a weird dynamic. Even though these people are evil and we have to kill them, they are main characters. They're loved ones of other main characters. It's hard to like. Not give them the yeah. anti-hero status sometimes, and so I, I liked the silhouettes in the woods because it definitely gave me that mental assignment of an, an actual like physical manifestation of evil that's not resurrection. Yeah, like these are vessels for something evil. They're not. Uh, and that ties in with a lot of King's work. Uh, he does a lot of stuff about, like, how the, the land, uh, is tainted by the sort of curse of how we mistreated the native peoples of the Americas when Europeans conquered it. Um, that plays into The Shining. I feel like it plays into it a little bit because of Pennywise, like, being as ancient as the, like, New England colonists. Um, but that was something he was very interested in, was this idea of the trauma we inflicted upon, uh, Native American peoples. Um, which, you know, Good on you for doing something. Um, you did ultimately create a thing where Native American magic turns yeah. a little girl into a zombie, <laughs> so... Uh, (laughs) that is like the path to hell is paved with good intentions on that one Um, it's a little weird he was a man of a different era as well so we have to remember that these are these were books that were written and then turned into movies that were then remade into movies we're seeing today we're seeing third generation king when we watch movies this movie came out 30 the original book came out 36 
six years ago. The movie came out 30 years ago. So Which it's like, socially is a decent amount of time. That doesn't matter. Yeah. But it is like nice to remember, especially because his themes are more um, internalized themes versus um, what's going on in the outside world. Even with Pennywise, um, it was just that town and it even has like those time gaps. But it's it's more internalized, like his themes of horror, I think. And like what he's trying to say. Uh, that didn't Yeah, the, the explanations are just usually... <laughs> No, I get what you're saying. It's more like character-based, yes, character drama. Um, he just does usually provide an explanation for the magic, and that explanation is uh, doing a genocide <laughs> made America haunted, which is a little weird. Um, similar to in Ouija Origin of Evil, we find out that all the Ouija ghosts are Holocaust victims at the end, which is kind of bizarre, since we saw those ghosts killing a lot of people during the movie, and it's like... Did you think about it? <laughs> you should have thought about it a little bit. Um, anyway, they, the zombie Ellie goes and buries mommy in the, uh, the place beyond the pet cemetery. Uh, she comes back. They get, uh, Lewis is about to kill Ellie in the actual pet cemetery and then he gets stabbed through the gut and then all, all three of them, uh, Gage has been put in the car and they tell him, don't open the door. Not even, not for anyone, not even mommy. Um, and then they all are zombies walking ominously towards that SUV uh, with a gas can, so it's clear they set Judd's house on fire, and now Gage is next. Um, different from the ending of the original film, which I believe has Rachel coming and hugging Lewis and saying everything's going to be okay, and then you see her pick up a knife behind his back while they're embracing uh, and you, it cuts to black, and I think you hear a stabbing sound. Uh, I haven't seen that movie since I was a small child, so. Yeah, it reminds me of the ending of Thing a lot. They're very, very different movies. But it was a very between the lines. Like, if you, they always say, um, Carpenter will tell you there is one creature at the end of the thing, and it is apparent who it is. And if you watch the movie the right way, you can read between the lines to figure out who is what. And same with Rachel the original um you can tell like you said if you listen closely like there is a stabbing but i did, i still like this ending better i like the darker ending um they're yeah. they were similar in yeah the i weight, but this one just the aesthetics of it were way darker because yeah as you said you know gage is next and yeah at the end of the other one you have kids at different ages but i think i think it was a smart move saving the youngest for last because yeah the movie cuts with a family walking towards a very young child about to kill him that's nice yeah it's nice did you uh did you hear about Stephen King's proposed happier ending for this I did movie? I not cuz that does not interest me. Okay. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> so he he proposed an ending where all of the zombies happen and the movie ends on Gage walking down the highway uh just like lost and you see a truck coming up and then the truck instead of hitting him stops and pulls over and a like kindly lady gets out and is like and like finds him and is like oh we better like find out where you belong and then like takes him away presumably to a new life where he's not turned into a zombie. I guess I understand the idea of that because it doesn't really change the movie. But okay, so the pet cemetery is all about the concept of death. 
and what that means to us. Um, more specifically, us as quote unquote Christians as a whole demographic. Um, I think that the family's inability to not deal with death but accept it, like that's what led the father to use it in the first place. Um, the cat was just more of a curiosity thing. I don't think he thought anything was going to come of bearing church in the pet cemetery. I think it was just more of a drunk dads doing drunk dad yeah, stuff, he, which is awesome. Yeah, he thinks it's just like part yeah, of so the I'm ritual, but that. because... <laughs> Judd has like such affection for Ellie that he he knows that uh, church will come back, but he doesn't expect. He thinks because he buried his dog in this place and it came back mean. He thinks it's just because that was a mean dog, and he hopes that it will go better with church. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. You have the father burying Ellie initially as the first burial in the pet cemetery, and that is obvious. We don't have to go into how a father would feel if his daughter died. That's something that makes sense. Um, and so then when Ellie comes back, Rachel is going through her equal, equally separate <laughs> inability to deal with death, like in the opposite way. She has always had death on her mind um, and it was the actual act of dying that really gave her her stress, but she wasn't as concerned as her husband about what happened after death. That she was confident in that she said, you know, grandma's watching us down in heaven or wa- watching down on us. Grandma's not in hell, she's up. Um, but yeah, yeah. and so mm-hmm. I think that she, even though she seemed like a weaker character I think she had a more firm grasp on the concept of death because she was thinking about the afterlife whereas the husband wasn't but anyways so I I, I think that Ellie was killing her family because she didn't want to be alone um, which is weird because then it gets yeah. to the question of uh, was was what she was saying about hell true? I don't think it was. I think she was just saying that to taunt and like make fear so anyways I brought up this whole roundabout uh, rant because I think it's fitting that Gage dies because it is a family unit and that is more the theme of the story versus the pet cemetery as a landmark. It's not, oh, here's pet cemetery. We have five other novels with five different families and their experiences with it. This is more of like this <laughs> family's experience with death and learning what it is because we don't know. Like we know what the concept of death is, but there is nobody who knows what happens and what it is. And so this is that family family's journey of discovering it together and then bonding through that. Yeah, so Gage yeah. needs to die. Long story short, hmm. he needed to die and I would have been upset if he oh. didn't. So, eh, it was his destiny. Oh, I don't believe in de- destiny. Uh, what is your spookiest part of hmm. this movie. Well, this is just a segue of a missed opportunity with the kids' masks. Like, I know masks are overrated, especially with uh, You Are Next. Like, really did it for me. That was the nail in the coffin with the spooky masks, even though it was one of the earlier ones. Oh, I like but that movie. it wasn't scary enough, Jeff. I did not like the way that movie went. I The mom the mom from the mom from this movie I is know, in that, that movie. Is, that is where I recognized it from. I was gonna say, I knew she was in some movie and I knew it involved masks with the Googling, but I think that um, masks can be done well, especially with children. I like the concept of um, hiding children's faces. It makes them keep their innocence <laughs> um, yeah. if they're going to be doing nefarious deeds such as killing. Like, they're still innocent. Anyways, um, I think that it could have been one of the scariest parts if they really got into that. Um, or maybe when you saw the children in the beginning, they start to realize... Th- they, they don't realize anything about them. They 
they show them once in one scene and they completely drop it off, which is fine. I didn't want to dwell on masked children, but that had potential to be the scariest part, but not that, obviously, um, when he says, hug your daughter. That was very spooky to me. I couldn't imagine if I had anybody that was passed away. And even if nothing was there, you know, you have someone say, well, turn around and hug your grandma. What? Ooh. So. Yeah. Uh, I agree that that part's very spooky. The part I'm going to go with, however, is the conversation that uh, revived Ellie and Lewis have about the nature of death and what Ellie is now. Uh, I think that was just so unsettling that that it's like this entity that is possessing his daughter's body is one, it has her memories because we like establishes that it remembers like the moment she died. But two, it is clearly not her. Um, like the trailers say, and many of the characters, uh, they don't come back the same. Sometimes dead is better. Um, the ground out there is wrong. It's sour. It's, it, it doesn't, it's not just reviving a corpse and possessing it with a Wendigo. It is like reviving a corpse and corrupting its essence. And that's so interesting. Like this creature isn't Ellie, but it also is. And I don't know. It, I think that the most important character in the movie is probably Rachel's sister, Zelda, uh, who is not alive in the current timeline. But it's so much of this zombie Ellie can be seen as a metaphor for Zelda because it represents the regret and resentment. This idea that the only memory Rachel has of her sister is of, of her being this a twisted monster who was abusive and horrible, even though that was just the illness. It wasn't who she was, but it was all she was left with after Zelda died. Um, And I think that there's something really strong in that metaphor. Um, I, I, I think that it's scary too. It's very Very spooky. (laughs) I tried. Uh, So, where can the people find you online, or do you have a spell recipe that they would have to cast uh, if they wanted to summon you from the well, ether? Um, update: Still contemplating www.humancentipedegirl with three u's. Dot is it dot biz dot dot club dot club yeah, is dot the club. cheapest okay, one. So considering that, you can uh, bookmark that. And maybe keep checking. But I guess I always forget to say I'm on Twitter. I have I have fifteen followers. Jeff's one of them. What's my Millipede Queen at Millipede Queen? Um, I don't know. You don't. You don't want to read oh, my on Twitter? Twitter. I tweet about bad. Uh, Jeff, you go. You tweet <laughs> go, about bad. go. 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 Okay. Uh. <laughs> I feel like there's an I think there's an underscore in your Twitter name between the two words. They don't. Of it. They don't care. Um, no one's gonna look for me. <laughs> Okay. Uh, anyway, you can find me on Twitter at creepypodsta. You can go on Mastodon, coolmemes.biz slash at JK. You can go to Instagram or Snapchat, and I'm JeffJK on either of those. You can join the Facebook group, Creepypodsta fan group. You can DM me anywhere and get an invite to the Discord where you can talk with other fans. Uh, I would also like to, for one last time, remind you to please go to bit.com ly slash moses fund because my friends uh recently lost a beloved pet of theirs and 
Uh, it is very expensive to go through something like that. It costs a lot of money to take a pet to the hospital, and um, I would like to help them as best I can to recover some of that money that uh, they really frustratingly have nothing to show for because they spent all of it and their uh, pet still passed away. So you're still stuck with those you bills. Uh, so if you can help out, or at least share it, if you can't help out, that would be much appreciated. Thank you. Uh, it is... I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. Uh, that's the <laughs> end of the episode. Thank you.